What's going on, party people? My name is Stephen Bagel, and I am going to be a host of this Bird Rights Podcast. Thank you so much for joining me for my inaugural pilot episode. And why do I say, well, the party people laugh? Because nothing makes me want to party like the NBA salary cap. So for those of you who don't know me, as I said, my name is Stephen Bagel. I am the host of the NBA Bagel Podcast. You can listen to that on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, wherever you get your podcast platform. Um, on the NBA goal, I do a lot of miscellaneous NBA stuff. I try to narrow it down to a lot of salary cap, front office type stuff. A few things that I do there. Every time a player is in trade talks or trade rumors or anything like that, I do a segment called 29 teams where this guy could be traded to. And then I trade them to each team in the NBA. So, for example, I would do. I just recently did 29 Ben Simmons trades, where I traded Ben Simmons to every single team. And typically for those episodes, I do have a guest on. We talk about which trades we like the most, which trades we like the least, which ones we think most might be most realistic. And more importantly, the two big episodes I do each year are the mock offseason and the mock trade deadline. Now, I try getting these out, I would say, about a week before free agency starts and a week before the trade deadline happens. But obviously, there's always moving in the NBA. There's always going to be a trade that, you know, slips through the cracks and beats me before I can, you know, make the trade myself in my mock. But, for example, last year, the Kemba Walker and Al Horford swap happened very early into the offseason. You don't see that too often. The NBA playoffs are still going on. But... I try to, you know, be as precise as possible. I want to wait as long as possible that, you know, all the rumors could be dissected, but not too long where I'm going to miss anything major. So it's a happy medium that I do. And the important thing is you're going to learn about the exceptions, the biannual exception, the mid-level exception, the taxpayer mid-level exception. I want to kind of make the salary cap, a salary cap class in a sense, where I, and again, I'm still no expert. I'm learning every day more and more about the cap, more and more about the CBA. And it's not a perfect craft. The salary cap is a very complex thing. But what I want to do is I, I want to make it enjoyable for people. I want to make this podcast as realistic as possible. You know, breaking down numbers and showing listeners what's realistic and what's not realistic whether there's validity to rumors, whether, you know, those rumors could come to fruition based off salary cap. For example, what would the framework of, you know, a Ben Simmons or Damian Lillard swap look like? What would it look like if Ben Simmons gets traded to Minnesota? What would happen if Bradley Beal requested out? What teams could realistically trade for him based off salary and everything like that? So that's what I want to do. I want to make the salary cap fun. And the salary cap can be fine if, you know, you're able to, what's the word I'm looking for? If you're able to take the NBA and compare it to, you know, real life scenarios. And that's what I want to do. I want to take the NBA, talk about it, analyze the game, break it down but still stay on that fun office aspect of it. 
So just to give you guys a little bit of background about myself, I am a law school graduate. I graduated from Widener Delaware Law School in 2020. I am now working at a law firm in Wilmington, Delaware. I currently live in Glen Mills, Pennsylvania. And I hate to say it, but I am a diehard Philadelphia 76ers fan. We will talk more about that after the fees. Gonna sign their extension. His trade value is not there. And when you hear reports. He paid $16 million of his $33 million salary. I know about people that have certain clauses what in their contract. next year with Giannis Tenacupo? He will be eligible for a Supermax next summer. If he resigns, a new reality is the players are gonna move around. And the players are, are, are not gonna want to spend their whole you know, life. And because they didn't want to go into the penalty of the luxury tax, they traded James Harden. Somebody's gonna be making. He probably could have made a little bit more money this summer in free I agency. I think he could have got a lot more in the offseason. You got a chance to secure the bag. You got to No question. So, yes, I'm aware of what it's like to be a Sixers fan. I went through the whole Markel Fultz getting the yips. I'm currently living this nightmare we call Ben Simmons being a diva. But I suffer through the process. I can't just give up on my team now. So... As I said, I am a 76ers fan. I try to do my best job to not put my biases into it. Obviously, I'm sure I'm going to be talking more about the Ben Simmons saga, which I feel like every NBA podcast right now is talking about because, you know, it's not every day an all-NBA player request out. And yes, Ben Simmons is an all-NBA player. I know that people on Twitter are saying he's one of the worst contracts in the NBA. But there were plenty other significantly worse. I mean, I know John Wall's only two years on his contract, but for example, this is what I want to bring on the Bird Rights podcast. John Wall, two years, almost $92 million. I mean, that's brutal. I know Ben Simmons is four years compared to John Wall's two, but John Wall making $46 million a year. I know the Rockets aren't spending money anyway, so it's not that detrimental to their books. But and another one, for example... Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Butler's a great player. I have him as a top 15 player in the NBA. But his contract's now, after signing his extension, five years for $220 million that pay him up until he's 37. Now, Jimmy Butler did peak late. Like, Ben Simmons is in his peak and his prime now. Jimmy Butler peaked late. He's 32 years old right now, and he still might be in his prime. But what can you expect from a 37-year-old Jimmy Butler who's had injury concerns for years and hasn't been the most scorable guy? I mean... That contract could get ugly quickly in, I'd say, about a year and a half to two years. Another example would be, you know, Rudy Gobert is just signed a five-year, $205 million contract. And while people say, oh, Rudy Gobert is a great defender, just won defensive player of the year multiple times, people forget that Rudy Gobert got played off the floor in the playoffs in this Clipper series the same way Ben Simmons did against the Hawks. So, yes, he's a great rim protector, but once you play small ball against him, you know you found his kryptonite, and he's going to have to be benched. And it's not like he's a world beater on offense. I'm not saying that because we know the liability Ben Simmons is on offense. Rudy Gobert has the same struggles, except he's not a playmaker like Ben Simmons is. So, if anything, Ben Simmons is more valuable on offense, and while he's not as valuable on defense because he's not a great rim protector— He's a more versatile defender. He could defend the one through five. He's a switchable defender. If you want to go small against him, you can. Rudy Gobert, you cannot. So why am I saying this? I'm not saying this to toot Ben Simmons' horn. I hate Ben Simmons. I never liked the guy. I'm not a big Rudy Gobert fan either, in case you couldn't tell. But 
I'm just using these as an example to, you know, we could talk about the salary cap while discussing, you know, Rudy Gobert getting played off the floor in the playoffs. And we could break down players' games and relate the contracts to them. And this is what GMs have to do when evaluating players. How are they going to help you win? And you have to do the cost-benefit analysis of trading for them and that contract. And because, quite frankly, the contract is what is tied to the player. So that's just some things I want to do. In my mock offseason, I basically make my entire prediction of every team's 15- to 17-man roster. So that includes my mock draft, where I do my whole mock draft, assign players to teams based off picks, make trades in the draft, and then I will you know, do my entire mock offseason based off that draft. So let's say, okay, Kate Cunningham going number one. And then I also have the Pistons signing this guy, this guy, this guy. Okay, cool. That's the Pistons 15-man roster. And then I do that for every team until I have a full training camp roster for each team, a full 15- to 17-man roster um, based off salary cap, based off exceptions the team has, based off bird rights that players have. So some of you may ask, what are bird rights? For those of you who aren't familiar, bird rights are basically your ability to retain a player. And you're, if you have that player's bird rights, you are able to go over the cap to sign that player. So for example, the Nets, while they had Blake Griffin last year, they did not have his bird rights. So they had to eat into the taxpayer mid-level exception to sign him to that two plus million dollar contract they signed him to. If they had his bird rights, they could have signed him without going into an exception or without going into cap space. And yes, it would have affected the luxury tax bill, but you would have been able to retain him for more money for a longer period of time without, you know, eating into that taxpayer mid-level exception. So it sounds more boring than it actually is. It's actually, you know, pretty fun and entertaining once you get the gist of it. And that's what I want to do. I want to make it fun. I want to make it entertaining. And I want to take the NBA and show the front office aspect of it, what the daily life of a GM is. And while I can't even, obviously that's the goal for me, I can't even attest to what that's like. But I could at least, you know, give you guys a perspective of, what a GM's job is and what they do and how they trade and what goes into those trades. What do you have to include? Like in order for to get player A, you need to trade player B because that's who they would want in a trade. But then you also need to add in player C and D for salary matching purposes. And then if player D is a bad contract, you need to add a pick to get them to be incentivized to take it and, there's just so many hoops to jump through and that's the perspective I want to leave on you guys is okay. How realistic is this from going down? So when trade rumors happen, I'll do episodes on it. For example, John Wall wants out right now. I'm going to do an episode on how unrealistic it is to trade that contract. Now, every bad contract is on the way to get traded. John Wall was already traded once with his contract he was slipped for Russell Westbrook, who was almost equally as bad of a contract. Chris Paul, when he signed that contract with the Rockets, everyone said it was one of the worst in the league. He ended up getting traded twice. Al Horford was a future contract. He got flipped for Kemba Walker, who was even a worse contract. 
So the question is for John Wall, is he able to be traded for an, another bad contract or can they actually get value for him? And that's a tough question to answer. That is a question I will answer for you guys because, you know, you see your trade machine experts on Twitter all the time coming up with this, that, and everything else. But I want to give you guys realistic perspectives on everything. And I believe with my MBA knowledge and my MBA expertise, along with my salary cap knowledge, I'm able to portray that picture for you and paint that picture for you and be able to give my perspective on, you know, what's realistic, what's not realistic, and everything in between. So, yeah, that's what I plan on doing. I'm going to bring in some college basketball knowledge as well for you guys so we could start to know some of these prospects heading into the NBA draft next year. I want to, and again, that goes in, that ties in the front office as well, obviously, because you have your whole scouting department, you have your teams that travel from college to college to overseas to your scouting departments go everywhere to scout these guys. And, you know, they get the better perspective than anybody on these guys. So that's another front office aspect I want to incorporate. So all these combined, I just, I want to, you know, make you guys knowledgeable on the whole front office experience. And as I said, it's not a perfect craft. I'm still learning myself, but I enjoy it a lot. And that's why I podcast about it. So hopefully I can get you guys to at least enjoy it as much as I do. And that way, you know, we can, um, we can enjoy it together. So yeah, thanks for listening. You can rate and review me on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you again to the Hoopball Network for giving me this opportunity. You could follow me on Twitter at the underscore NBAble. As of now, I'm going to be running one Twitter account for both podcasts. And you could see my thoughts, my reactions to all things Ben Simmons, to all things John Wall, to anything NBA, because... The NBA is awesome, man. I love it. It's the off season is the best time of the year. And there's nothing like going to an NBA game. So thank you for listening, guys. I will talk to you next episode. And thanks for listening to the pilot and my introduction to the Bird Ray podcast. Thanks for listening. You got a chance to secure the bag. You got to secure it, man. No question. Yeah.